Welcome to the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. In this January 2012 episode of the podcast, we're going to focus on making over your research in 2012 with new tools, products, and organizational ideas. Our first stop will be with the Genealogy Insider blogger, Diane Haddad. She's going to tell us about some new initiatives that we can expect from Ancestry.com in 2012. And then in our top tips segment, Diane's going to be back to share some of her favorite tips from the new February issue of Family Tree Magazine. In our 101 Best Websites for Tracing Your Roots segment, Carrie Scott and I are going to be introducing you to an incredible free website that will get your note-taking organized like it never has been before. In the Family Tree University Crash Course segment, genealogy blogger Denise Levenick is going to be here to tell us about a very unique webinar that she recently did for Family Tree Magazine. You're going to learn how she got our own Allison Dolan organized. And then Carrie Scott will be back with another edition of the Social Media Minute. And finally, we're going to check in at the publisher's desk with Allison Dolan, publisher of Family Tree Magazine, who has another amazing ultimate collection for you to get you organized. So there's a lot to cover. So let's get to it. Our first stop is the Genealogy News with Diane Haddad. We're going to kick off this first episode of 2012 with the news from the blogosphere. And here to give us the scoop is the Genealogy Insider blogger, Diane Haddad. Hi, Diane. Hi. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Well, I see that things have kicked right up. Uh, I saw that you were blogging yesterday on what looks like, um, well, it was about Ancestry.com and what they are saying that they're going to be up to in 2012. Tell us about that. Right. Um, They just wanted to let readers know what to expect this year. Um, Reader subscribers, um, what they should be looking for from Ancestry.com this year. And, um, of course, I think the first thing on everybody's minds is the 1940 census. Mm -hmm. And they announced a while ago that that would be free on Ancestry.com at least through 2013. Which is great news, um, but mm-hmm. but they're not the only ones kind of stepping up to the plate and working with the 1940 census, right? Right. Family Search is um, heading up a community census project in which they're trying to line up indexers for um, the records so they can get people started working on this index as soon as the records are released on April 2nd of 2012. So, um, so that's Family Search's main focus. And Ancestry.com is not, interestingly, they're not part of that effort. They're doing their own thing. Um, they're probably going to send their, their records overseas to have their own index created. Oh, great. Well, that, that'll be interesting. That gives us actually two different indexes to work with, Yes. which I think is a benefit, right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, because if you don't see it in one, it might get picked up on another one just by a little swoop of the pen that looks Absolutely. a little different to somebody. Yes. So um, the other things that Ancestry.com will be working on this year, they're going to publish a complete indexed 1911 UK census. They're focusing on U.S. vital records this year and also church records, um, Quakers, and um, UK nonconformist church records. So people not of the Church of England will be able to um, do some research on their ancestors. And then Swedish church records, which is probably facilitated by Ancestry.com's acquisition a while back of Genline. Right. 
That's terrific. I'm looking forward to those nonconformist UK records. I've got some families to chase down there. Oh, good. It's always nice when, <laughs> when yeah. you think they're going to find your people. <laughs> exactly. And, and they're going to be adding some new features to the website as well, right? Yes. Um, new Ancestry Hints, which is important if you have your tree on Ancestry.com. They're already testing a new image viewer, and they're going to unveil a new um, image viewing experience, is what they called it, for mm. two popular census sets. And I think that is probably going to incorporate some of the features from the old footnote.com, which is, of course, now Fold 3, which Ancestry.com purchased last year. Right. Yeah, so many changes. And of course, everybody's got their uh, Christmas presents, they got their Kindle fires, their nooks, and Ancestry's ready for them too, right? Mm -hmm. They have Android mobile apps on the way to join the iPhone and iPad apps that they have. Um, some of the other things, um, easier sharing of your Ancestry.com discoveries on social networking sites, advances in their DNA testing. So I think they're probably going to be unveiling some new DNA products this year. And I'm guessing it's going to be autosomal testing because that's been um, big on, on some of the other genetic genealogy yeah. uh, services. Yeah. And then some more educational um, opportunities to help people know what kinds of records they should be looking for. Oh, great. Well, if you want to see the entire list that uh, Diane blogged about uh, on January 9th, 2012, it's called What to Look For on Ancestry.com in 2012. We'll have a link for you in the show notes. And you'll also find at the Genealogy Insider blog she's been talking about who's going to be on the new season of Who Do You Think You Are here in the U.S. And, of course, that's coming up right around the corner on February 3rd. So lots to look forward to. Thank you so much, Diane, for keeping us up to date. You're welcome. This month's top tips segment, um, I've invited Diane Haddad back to talk with us a little bit because talk about organizing. She has a ton of organizing to do and working together with their staff there at Family Tree Magazine. And she really was the lead um, editor on the upcoming February 2012 issue and has some tips to share with us. Welcome back, Diane. Thank you. Boy, it's a big job putting these um, issues together, and I know your February issue is jam-packed. What are some of your favorite tips? You know, you get to, to look at it all. What jumped yeah. out at you this time? Well, there are so many. Um, I think probably one of my favorite articles is called Attitude Adjustment, <laughs> and it's sort of a Miss Manners um, type article for genealogists because everybody runs into... Um, pet peeves and, you know, different problems once in a while. And so this um, this article addresses some of the most common ones that we hear from researchers. Uh, so these are challenges they're running into, what, on the road doing their research or dealing with other researchers? Mostly We're all connected. online. Mostly yeah. online, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> most genealogists are really helpful and eager to share information, but every once in a while you'll try to contact someone and they don't get back to you or... Mm -hmm. um, you you know find a tree that you know is wrong on a website and you're trying to get the person to correct it and you know they feel that they're correct so things like that I think that's probably the number one things I hear about are people saying one they can't get a hold of somebody to fix something wrong on a tree but two they make they finally make a connection you know and find a tree that they really want to connect with somebody and they never hear back. And here this person went to all the trouble of posting their tree online, and they never get back to people who inquire. 
Right. So it's um, it has some suggestions for um, for approaching people, and I think the top tip is always to be nice. Um, you know, always take the high road and present it as um, let's solve this problem together. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, not assuming that they're ignoring you, but assuming that life's busy for them too, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then um, one other thing that people sometimes have issues with is a cousin has a family heirloom that really means a lot to you, and it's something that you'd really like to have, you know, or maybe that person has almost everything and you want just, yeah. you know, the one one thing. So um, he suggests one way to approach that is to talk to that person and just go on and on about how special this item is to you and how, um, you know, it would be so meaningful um, to, you know, to be able to, to touch it again, you know, and, and that person could get the, the message that you're trying to send. And maybe offer up versus having you kind of outright ask. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true because things end up going down different lines. You don't always end up with what you might directly think would be coming down your line, but it ends up with a cousin or, you know, we have a couple of those in our family too, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think everybody's (laughs) got at least one, unfortunately. So, um, so it's, it's, it's kind of a fun article. It's a little bit tongue in cheek and very, um, in, in the, the vein of mismanners. So, (laughs) so that's a fun article. Something else that I found a lot of useful information in was we had Thomas McKenty do an article about uh, the researcher's toolbox and different ways um, to gather your all the genealogy tools that you use on a regular basis into one place that you can access anywhere, whether you're at work or at home or on the road. So he gives different options for a toolbox is what he calls it, um, depending on your your comfort level with computers. Some people are, aren't very comfortable and they might um, just use one computer and they might copy and paste web links and put them in a, a Word document and mm-hmm. maybe that's their comfort level. I thought um, that it was a great tip to use a site such as Evernote, which I'm wanting to move my tools onto because yes. <laughs> um, that's something where you can download an app onto your phone and you can access it all these tools that you use on your phone. Another way is if you have an iGoogle page, you can um, put your calendar there. You can have sticky notes there that you put links onto. You can store your, you can have your blog reader there. So all the blogs that you normally read are right there. And that's also something that you can access from um, from some phones. So no, those so are that both great helpful. tips. Um, in fact, we're going to be having, you can look forward to a little bit later in this episode, we'll be talking with Carrie Scott about Evernote because it really is a tool that helps you remember everything, you know, yes. and, and just organize everything. And, um, and of course, iGoogle um, is something I talk about in my book, The Genealogist Google Toolbox, and how to customize that big white screen into mm-hmm. something just for genealogy, which of course is available in Shop Family Trees. So we've got lots of good resources. And it's really nice to have things on the cloud, if you will, on the internet, right. because that means, exactly. like you say, we're accessing it from anywhere. We're not just tied to our desktop computer anymore. 
Yeah, and it takes a little bit of work on the front end to go find all that stuff you use and gather it in one place and then set up your iGoogle page or your Evernote account. But once you have it there, it is so convenient, and it it hardly takes any maintenance at all. A little bit of investment up front is a huge Mm -hmm. time saver. Yeah. Great tips. Oh, it, we're looking forward to it. It's, it looks like a wonderful jam-packed article. It's the February 2012 Family Tree magazine. And um, we'll have links in the show notes that we even have them available in digital download, which is a very convenient way to go. And, of course, uh-huh. stay tuned because we're going to be talking to Carrie Scott about Evernote a little bit later in this episode. Well, wonderful, Diane. Thank you so much. It sounds. Did you have a good time putting it all together? I did. A good time, a busy time. But I learned a lot. I always do. I bet. Well, we learned a lot from you. Thank you so much, Diane. You're welcome. Would you like to be able to remember everything about your genealogy? Well, in this 101 Best Websites for Tracing Your Roots segment, we're going to talk about a website and online tool that makes the bold promise, remember everything. And that is Evernote.com. So here to chat with me today about it is our own Carrie Scott. Hi, Carrie. Hi, nice to be here. Well, we're going to have you on a couple times on the show, but this time we're going to talk about Evernote. Um, I use it all the time. Uh, I've had one of the directors on my show talking about how cool it is. And of course, we talked about it for genealogy. And, and But tell us why it made the 101 best websites list. So for anybody out there who maybe hasn't used it yet. Well, I think the thing that's amazing about Evernote is that it actually delivers what it promises. If you remember to put things in there, you really will have everything at your fingertips. And it's free. The basic version is free, and it's fairly robust. So it's an amazing tool to be able to track whatever you want to track in there. I actually started using it in earnest when I took my job here at Family Tree Magazine in September to be able to track all this new information that was coming at me. I was This was a big career change for me to come into this job, and I had lots of new things to learn, and I needed some way to keep it all straight. So I actually started using Evernote, not as a genealogist, but as a new employee in a new line of work. And it's blown my mind at how great it's been to be able to track things, even in ways that I didn't expect. Sometimes I wasn't sure what category to put something in or how to label it, but I can still find everything I need in Evernote because it allows you to search the entire universe of things that you're tracking all at once. So it's it's just a really amazing, robust tool um, that works for genealogy and a variety of other things as well. Yeah, it certainly works for pretty... I'm using it for just about everything, it seems like. Me (laughs) too. And I went to their um, conference a couple of months ago where they spent the whole day talking about... the the program itself and all the different apps that get created for it. But for for new list for people who are new to Evernote, we'll we'll take a step back and talk about what we're really talking here is about note taking. And it's whether we're typing it, whether we're clipping it from our screen. And talk a little bit about the the screen clipping feature, because this is where I think it really also plays so well into genealogy. I think so, too. One of the things I've always struggled with the whole time I've been a genealogist is keeping a research log. We all know we're supposed to do it. You're supposed to keep track of where you looked for things, what you looked for, and whether you did or didn't find it. 
I found that hard enough in the early 90s when I was first starting my genealogical journey. But since they invented the internet, it's been so much tougher because like most genealogists, I tend to sit down sometimes and type something in, type something else, type something else, click here, click there. And pretty soon I've clicked 2,000 times in an hour and I haven't tracked anything I've done. Um, Evernote gives you the opportunity to bring some discipline to that without slowing you down because it allows you to screen clip or take a little picture of everything you see. So, for example, if I'm on Ancestry and I find a census record that might relate to the person that I'm looking for, I can very quickly do a screen clip and put that in Evernote automatically. And not only will it show me the exact URL so I can click on it later, um, but even if that URL is no good, because sometimes things are moved around and stuff, we've all had that experience, it gives me a picture of the actual screen that I had, so the actual census record that I was looking at, and it tracks the date and time that I did it. So it's kind of an instant research log because I can spend an evening doing uh, searches for a particular line or whatever, and I can be screen clipping all along and tracking exactly what I found where and when, and I can even see the time so I can see the order in which I did it, so I can follow my own logic, theoretically, in terms of what I was uh, looking for. So it's, it's just amazing to be able to create an instant research log that has the actual stuff you found and when and where you found it all in one place. It also saves paper. I used to go and do that Ancestry binge and hit print over and over and over and over. And when I was done, I would have a half an inch stack on my printer that would sit there for three months because I hate to file. And then I'd do it again, and then I'd have another half an inch, and pretty soon I'd have an eight-inch stack of papers. Um, This prevents me from doing that. I am saving printer ink and filing time because it's all online. And then I can actually uh, search for it automatically I can search under different um, tags. I can actually tag those census images because maybe I'm not sure which line it is or maybe I think it's the Shiber line but is it the Minnesota Shibers or the Wisconsin Shibers. I can put tags on there just like you do with websites or photos and be able to search those automatically. So it saves me the hassle of trying to figure out which file folder to put stuff in because I can file it multiple ways at the same time. Exactly. And that searchability, the ability to retrieve it so quickly with that powerful search engine in Evernote. But to really piggyback on what you were saying, not only are we screen clipping and getting that image, which we think of as like a JPEG file, but that image is really dropped into a note itself, which means you could clip the image and then you could go and you could highlight the source citation at the top of the census record on Ancestry, just do control C, get a copy of it. And I just control V and pop it right underneath the image in my note. So that becomes searchable text. It it sources the actual clipping itself. So we don't, you know, lose track of where in the world we got it, and really becomes um, an incredibly effective tool. And of course, there's that OCR technology built in. This is the other thing. I, I'm just coming out with a book on newspapers. And of course, when we're clipping newspapers, then the big challenge becomes, again, finding the data, the information in the clipping, particularly if it's a whole page. And mm-hmm. I love it because I can clip those right into um, Evernote 
and do a quick search, Evernote reads the clipping. Don't you love that? It's amazing. It it just is really amazing. And you can also put your notes in to, to kind of note why you thought that particular image or document was important, which is helpful in understanding later on what you were thinking when you, you no longer have that piece of paper. I do this a lot. I print a bunch of stuff and then months later I look and say, well, now, why did I think that was important? This allows you to put that in, and that's searchable as well. So you can be looking for neighbors, and this is really helpful when you're using the friends, associates, and neighbors or fan approach um, where you're working on lines where you wouldn't necessarily recognize the name immediately. Um, This allows you a searchable way to find stuff and, and associate it with multiple lines. Exactly. And the fact that it can read, you know, it reads not only that type, but it can read handwriting. One of the things um, I did recently was I went to a conference, and I was meeting lots of different people who'd been to my classes. And um, as we chatted about things, and maybe we wanted to follow up on something, I would take a picture of the person, they're wearing their name tag, Evernote actually read it, I could search any part of the name and it would come up and show me the picture of that person. That's pretty incredible. Ow. Yeah. So you could really document your entire, you know, experience at a conference and, and all the connections that you're making. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I have to try that at Ruth's <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I have tried that. That's a great idea. Okay. Well, everybody listening then can tell that we're absolutely fans <laughs> of Evernote. And there's we've just kind of touched the, the top of the iceberg in terms of the things that you'll be able to do with it. But um, it is fantastic. So, Carrie, tell us where else can we learn about Evernote uh, to continue on using it for genealogy? Well, the Evernote site obviously has lots of help features, and they also have a blog that I follow that's very helpful because it shows you different people and how they use it. So they've had they've featured a genealogist and how she uses it, a knitter and how that person uses it, a doctor and how she uses it, and so forth. So that's very handy. Additionally, in our uh, spring... 2012 virtual conference, I'll actually be doing a session on using Evernote. So that's one of the uh, sessions that we'll be having as part of our tech track in the virtual conference, which will be held March 9th through the 11th. And you can go to our website to register. Fantastic. Well, we'll have the links to all that information in the show notes. And Carrie, so fun to talk to you about one of our favorite programs. Thank you. Since we're talking about giving our genealogy research a makeover, it seems like a good time to talk about organization. Genealogy blogger Denise Levenick recently presented the Organize Your Family Archive webinar for Family Tree Magazine. And in this Family Tree University Crash Course segment, she's going to share some of her best tips from that presentation. Welcome to the show, Denise. Thank you very much, Lisa. It's nice to talk with you. Great to talk to you. And of course, we enjoy your blog. Tell everybody what the name of your genealogy blog is and where they can find it. Well, I'm blogging at The Family Curator, and the web address is www.thefamilycurator.com. And I write about a lot of family archiving topics there. Yeah, this is right up your alley. And I know that you had kind of a fun um, task at hand when you did the webinar. Tell us now, Allison Dolan, our publisher here at Family Tree Magazine, had quite a, a, an assortment of things that she had inherited, which of course can happen to many of us. Tell us what you accomplished in that webinar. Well, it was really a lot of fun to talk with Allison. 
Um, if you remember, she posted on the magazine and on the blog a couple pictures, um, and she said, help, I've inherited all this stuff from my grandmother. I don't know what to do with it. And it turned out she had, and her, her grandparents were downsizing, and she inherited about 24 uh, banker's boxes of genealogy research. And there was everything in there from family group sheets. Her grandmother had um, kind of either compiled or got from other family members to original photos and original documents. So she has a lot of material to work with, and she wasn't quite sure how to begin. And I know many of us find ourselves in that kind of a situation. I know I have myself, and it could be anything from original documents to knickknacks to China to to whatever. Uh, share some of the tips that you did in that webinar uh, with all of us here on the podcast, because I, I think that um, they are very applicable to everybody at some point in their life. It really is. Most of us inherit somebody's stuff sooner or later. I, I think I got my grandmother's things about... 10, 15 years ago, and and that's how they came to me, in, in cardboard boxes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was trial and error to get a system that really worked. I think one of the biggest things I can er- encourage people to do, and it really made a difference for me, was to start thinking about your stuff as a collection. It's really not any different than a, an official family papers collection in the library or an archive. But once you give it a name, you start calling it, you know, the, the, the Ethel uh, Stacy papers, it, it just becomes more important. And you start thinking about it as an entire collection, not just grandma stuff. That's a really interesting way to look at it. Because like you say, it, it changes your point of view. And it um, almost automatically starts directing you to a more... Um, know precise is the word, but a a more deliberate approach to taking care of it. Well, it does. It does. It makes you think about it more kind of removed from yourself. And it's not just a bunch of stuff anymore that becomes a, it it, it can become a burden. That's to Mm -hmm. be honest. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't know quite what to do with all this stuff. But um, when we think of it as something valuable, um, that we are really just the caretakers of for a time. It, it first belonged to somebody else, and it doesn't need to take over our whole life, which is a problem for a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How about in terms of assessing what you have and making those sometimes hard decisions about what you keep and what you let go of? Because obviously, as we pass down to generations, we can't keep everything. Well, Allison and I did talk about that. She um, she opened up a box and took several pictures of what was inside. And then in the webinar, we talked more about a good way to unpack that box because what can happen, um, it, whether it was your ancestor or somebody else who put the box together, things get sort of jumbled. And they might pick up a stack from a desk and a stack from the floor and a stack from a drawer, and pretty soon the box contains material that's mixed up. And if you unpack it carefully, you can at least maintain some of those groups so that you don't lose the order and maybe the identifications that you can discover. Um, For instance, Allison had an envelope with a lot of papers in the envelope. If she had dumped all them out of the envelope, she would have lost the 
the information that they all belonged together and they were about the same person or the same thing. So you're talking about the context of the items and the way uh, if I, I find that with photographs, you know, you get a whole box of photographs and there might be a handful. You go, I don't know who this is or whatever. But by looking at the ones before and the ones after, there was some kind of rhyme or reason to the order in which they were placed in there. You can start to get clues. Is that the same kind of idea? That's right. That, yeah, you can, exactly right. You can use the clues from adjacent materials to help you identify things. And it becomes even more complicated, um, like in Allison's situation, and it's the same for a lot of us, Allison's grandmother inherited things from her own aunts and from her parents. And so you don't, not, you don't have just one person's collection here. It's kind of filtered from other people to Allison's grandmother and now to Allison. And when all those different collections get mixed up, it's, it really gets difficult. What do you recommend for people? Do you keep it in the entirety in which it came, or do you start to separate out by the original, origi- you know, the originator of those materials? Well, that's really tough. I think, I think it sort of depends on what your end goal is. But the archivists I've spoken with tend to um, lean toward the, the idea that once you have a good idea of what you have, you break things down into owners, ownership of the items so that you would put um, all the letters from one person together, all the um, documents, you know, that may have belonged to one family together. Mm-hmm. Because then you end up with a collection that becomes a, a go-to resource versus trying to have the collection all in one big lump that tells one big story. It's, it's almost like we go to a library and we go to a particular collection as a resource, but we have to put it in our own context. Um, boy, it's a complicated um, task, but well worth all this thinking through that you're talking about. Any other suggestions from that webinar you think that our listeners might um, benefit from? Well, I think if you're if people are tempted to start unpacking a box, um, I think it really helps to have a system going, and we talk in the webinar about using kind of a parking lot approach, and briefly, that's just using sticky notes like on a table or a flat surface to make little parking spots, one, two, three, four, five, six, and then when you unpack the box to do it, pick up you know a handful and put it in one, next handful two, next handful three, so that you're keeping things together, and then um, work work through those sort of mini piles to help you identify what you've got and assess, you know, hey, um, I'm going to need this kind of storage boxes, that kind of storage boxes. It, it, you really need some kind of system as you unpack those boxes and start looking at things so that you don't uh, lose track of where you are. And you can start to visualize them because I do imagine that in the end, some of uh, the materials that that in Allison's case that she inherited probably ended up in different types of long-term preservation storage, didn't they? Well, they probably will. I think right now she wants to just move them into archival bankers' boxes because she has so much material to Mm -hmm. work with. And then I think she'll work through it like box by box, which is a good plan. Yeah. Well, and that's a good problem to have. <laughs> it's Lucky her. Yeah, it's wonderful when the word gets out that we're the family historian. And it's amazing how that starts to draw things to us. And yet, 
you know, we, we can appreciate it and hopefully get it all put together in a way that it will certainly last for generations to come. These are all great ideas, Denise. And uh, if those of you listening are faced with this kind of a challenge, I'm going to have a link for you in the show notes to uh, there is a, a recording of the webinar that Allison and Denise did and certainly tons more information there to glean. So I will have information in the show notes for you on how you can get, obtain a copy of that. And Denise, thank you so much for joining us here on the Family Tree Magazine podcast. You're welcome. You're welcome. It was very nice talking with you. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Carrie Scott, the social media expert at Family Tree Magazine. Connecting with strangers can be a little intimidating for people who are new to online networking. I'll tell you about a tip that will help in this edition of the Social Media Minute. Whether you've just joined a new social media site like Google+, or you're looking to expand your presence on a more established site like Facebook, sooner or later you're probably going to have to reach out to a complete stranger to connect. Even the most outgoing people can find that a little nerve-wracking. Fortunately, most genealogists are pretty friendly, and they're almost always willing to talk family history with a fellow researcher. That common interest means you're never really a stranger. One way you can ease the connection process is to make sure the word genealogy or genealogist appears in your profile. On sites like Twitter and Google+, new friends will almost always check out your profile before they decide whether to follow you back. Seeing the word genealogy right in your profile is an instant sign that you have a shared interest and you aren't looking to sell them something. On sites like LinkedIn and Facebook, you'll have the opportunity to actually send a message to new friends when you try to connect. Don't just use the default message. You can actually type additional text in there. Use that feature to say something like, I'm a fellow genealogist looking to connect with other family history geeks. That tells them why you're contacting them out of the blue, and it'll make it much easier to make new friends. Most of them will be glad to add you to their list. Check out our podcast notes page for links to social media sites that are especially popular with genealogists. You can also find webinars and video courses on how to more effectively use social media at shopfamilytree.com. Well, as we wrap up this January 2012 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast, let's check in at the publisher's desk with Allison Dolan. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. And of course, the whole podcast episode has been about kind of getting us organized and revved up and making the most out of our research in 2012. Uh, do you have some resources for us this month? Absolutely. Organi- getting organized and staying organized is a um, topic that's very near and dear to my heart. So um, I was very excited when we were talking about our ultimate collection for January um, to help everybody get on the right foot with staying organized here in 2012 with our ultimate Get Organized collection. I love this because it has so many different components that tackle it from different directions. Tell us about those. Well, sure. One of my tenets of getting organized is you've got to make sure that you set goals and you're able to track your progress. And so um, 
for that very reason, we developed a product um, this year called the My Family Tree Research Planner. It's a day planner, actually, that's specifically for genealogists, which is great because there's actually um, space in there where you can track your goals, write them down. You can make notes. You can set yourself little reminders. And then it, there's actually also space where you can follow up on your goals from the previous month to kind of track your progress throughout the year. Yeah, I love I've got one here. And I love it because it's not only my calendar, but it's got all the worksheets. It's got all these uh, materials. I mean, you really, I could really see myself using this all year long. And it's not specific to only one year. So, um, you know, if you started partway through the year, you can customize it with if it's 2012 or 2013 or 2014 or whatever year you wanted. Um, You could even copy pages and use them again. So it's very versatile. Um, And like I said, we really did develop this with genealogists in mind specifically, um, knowing sort of what our own needs are, (laughs) tracking our goals and progress throughout the year. And we're hoping that other um, listeners will find that useful as well. Mm -hmm. And Denise Levenick has been on the the episode this time, and she was talking about the webinar that the two of you did. And that's included in the collection, right? It is. That was so much fun. I loved getting to be the guinea pig for Denise's (laughs) webinar. Um, For those of you who haven't followed along, I inherited this enormous collection of stuff from my grandma earlier um, last year. And Denise gave me some very practical advice on how to get all of that stuff um, organized, what to keep, what to, what it was safe to actually throw away, um, and just how to manage something that you inherit from your relatives. There's lots of treasures in there, but sometimes there's also lots of stuff that you just don't need or really isn't worth keeping. And so she helped me sort through all of that. What was the top thing that you got out of that, that she walked away and went, oh, that I'm doing right away? <laughs> Well, my favorite thing was really a a practical thing in terms of how to handle the stuff. She had a great tip about um, what she called a parking lot. And when I would take a box, how I could disassemble the the contents of the box, make notes about what was in it, and put it back so that the original order was preserved. And it gave me a list of what was in it and... um, gave me the information that I would need to actually put it in different storage that would be more archivally safe. That was very helpful. Oh, that sounds great. Now, you know, I was thinking about today time management because, of course, being off for a little bit of time, enjoying the holidays and family, we're starting out the new year, but we already feel a little bit behind. Is there something in there that's going to help us manage our time? Absolutely. I think time management is a problem for everybody anymore. Um, you know, people often say, oh, I can't wait till I retire. I can relax. Well, <laughs> most of the retired people that I know, especially the ones who do genealogy, are more busy than they were, oh, yeah. than they were working. So, um, you know, it's something we all battle with. And you know, here at Family Tree Magazine, obviously, we've got deadlines coming down all the time. And we're working on so many different projects. Time management is something that we struggle with every day. Um So we've included in this collection our Time Management for Genealogists Independent Study course, and it has some very practical advice for um, sort of evaluating the way that you do genealogy, um, not the research methods per se, but really how you're approaching it from a time perspective. So, you know, how much time are you blocking off? How do you go about, you know, researching? Are you kind of here, there, and everywhere? And how to be more focused and how to really set aside time so that you can accomplish the goals that you want to. 
that's awesome. Okay, so this all comes together in the ultimate Get Organized collection. We're going to have a link in the show notes. What are they going to save if they get it in a collection format like this? Well, the savings off of, um, if you purchased all of the products individually, is over $100. So the um, kit price is $69.99, and it's only available in January. So if you need help getting organized, this is definitely worth checking out. Oh, great. Okay, well, this is it for January 2012. So ahead of the show notes, we'll have information there on how to get a hold of that. And um, looking forward to another great year. Thanks, Allison. Thank you, Lisa. so much for joining me for this January 2012 episode of the Family Train Magazine podcast, the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Here are a couple of action items for you until we meet here again next month. First, be sure and visit the Genealogy Insider blog for all the latest genealogy news. It's on a daily basis. You'll find that at blog.familytrainmagazine.com slash insider. Next, head on over to familytrainmagazine.com slash podcast, and there you will find all the show notes for this episode that will include information and website links for everything that we covered in today's episode, including Diane's article, What to Look For on Ancestry.com in 2012. And then head over to Evernote.com and take their free note-taking tool for a spin. I think you're going to love it. And then, of course, over at ShopFamilyTree.com, you can grab one of the remaining Ultimate Get Organized collections that Allison told us about. And you'll also, of course, find that webinar recording of the Organize Your Family Archive with Denise Levenick that walks you and Allison through the steps for dealing with inherited family history and heirlooms. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I invite you to visit me over at my website at genealogygems.com, where you can listen to my free podcasts, the Genealogy Gems podcast, and the Family History Genealogy Made Easy podcast. And both of those shows are also available for free through iTunes. So until next time, have fun climbing your family tree. 